What's good, people? It's your boy Caesar here, and this is an episode of The Hybrid Club. Hope all is good. You know where to find us on the socials at The Hybrid Club. You know where to find me at Caesars, C-E-A-S-E-S-A-Y-S. Arsenal 1, FC Zurich 0. Kieran Tierney's first half goal did just enough to see us secure the top spot. Um, sent us straight through to round of 16, so no playoff round in February, thankfully. Um, but needless to say, that was closer than it needed to be. Not that I th- I think really we were under any real pressure until maybe right at the end when they had a couple of chances. Um, but again, when you're only 1-0 up and, you know, a draw would be enough to see you having to play an extra two games in an already truncated Premier League season, it, it's more tense than it needs to be, particularly against the team of FC Zurich's quality. No offence, but it shouldn't have been a contest and we made it one. That being said, the aim of the game was to finish top of the group and avoid those playoff games against the parachute teams from the Champions League, and we did that. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about the game, some of the key uh, players for it, some of the you know talking points and things that we saw and picked up. Um Got to say, though, beginning of the game, FC Zurich fans got there early and were in fine voice and fine form. Um, Yeah, FC Zurich fans were putting on a show. Now, personally, when I go to the Emirates, I can't even get a sippy cup full of my favourite rum through the door. Somehow, the FC Zurich fans are able to get a full pyrotechnic show in the dikes of which Travis Scott would be jealous of. No idea how they do it. No idea how they pull it off. But respect to them nonetheless. Um... It's great to see us manage to do what we need to do when it comes to this game, but there definitely was a few things that were a little bit concerning for for me and I'm sure for the rest of you watching. Um, Needless to say, you know, Zurich had their chances, goal ruled out for offside, you know, a long-range shot whistled off the top of the bar. Um, Ramsdale had to pull off, obviously, a good save in the run-up to that goal that was called offside and they had a header just go over the bar as well. So they had a few chances. Um, I think... uh, Andrew Allen summed it up well uh, with a tweet where he said, that was painful to watch. A truly awful game of football. And for large parts, Arsenal were the worst team. Good riddance to the group stage. We need to get out of this godforsaken competition. I have to agree. I have to agree. Um, Now, here's the thing. PSV won their game. um, And that meant, of course, there was no margin for error for us. So we would really need to make sure we won the game, which we did. Personally, I've always been, I've been on record about this. I'm I, I'm sort of a bit of a masochist in that I quite like the Europa League group stage, not because I want to see us actually play Europa League. I quite like to see how our younger uh, players do in the competition and it helps to gauge their development and that kind of thing. And very rarely do we find ourselves ever actually challenged in the Europa League group stage. You know, I'm thinking back to when we played the likes of Enketia, Nelson, Maitland-Niles against Dundalk. You know, it's you're not really worried about those games. But what I've realised is I only like it from the point of view of seeing young players get a chance to test their level. I don't like it when I see the likes of Ben White, Gabriel, Jesus, Saka, you know, Ramsdale all on the pitch for a game that shouldn't even matter you know, that kind of thing I could do without, particularly during a season where we have a World Cup in the middle of the season. So, yeah, I retract my earlier statements about kind of like in the Europa League group stage for seeing what people can do. When you've got such a small squad, there is no time to kind of see what the young players can do because you need to get through the tournament uh, group stage to get to the knockout rounds. So, yeah, fuck this tournament. Hopefully, this season, we can finally qualify for top four, play in the Champions League. Hopefully qualify through uh, winning the league, if not finishing in the top four and winning the Europa League. Because I do think, you know, despite the teams that have dropped down, honestly, the only team out of the ones that have dropped down that bother me are Barca. And that's mostly because of Lewandowski. I think the rest of that, well, Pedri and Gavi actually as well, you know, and and Tufati to be fair. And yeah, okay. So they got some ballers, but the point is really Barca are the only ones that, that give me any pause for thought kind of thing um but 
Juve are terrible this season. That You just have to go and watch them play. If you ever get bored or get a minute, go watch a Juve game and watch them play. They are not the Juventus they used to be, at least not now anyway. Maybe that might change in the second half of the season when they get the likes of Pogba back and maybe Vlavic's form upticks, who knows. But for now, they are not playing like the Juve you know. If they played like the way they play now against us at our best, we'd beat them. So right now, I'd rather avoid them don't get me wrong, if they could all knock each other out and we can play some of the lesser teams, fantastic. But there isn't anyone that I fear in that tournament. And to be honest, I feel like if we can get the reinforcements we need in January or at the very least get some of our injured players back and fit consistently, we should have enough to deal with most of the teams we come up against in all competitions. But that's for later. For now, we're talking about FC Zurich. And we're doing so just to catch up, as we said, on all the things that happened and also so that we never have to talk about this game again. Um you know, file it right there alongside the Bird of Glimpse away game, quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so we start with the starting lineup. Definitely took me by surprise. Um, expected, you know, the typical rotation you'd expect. A few surprise entrances. So we knew, obviously, that Matt Turner got injured, so Ramsdale was going to start. Um, ben White right back. Rob Holding centre back. Uh, Gabriel Magellias alongside him with Kieran Tini at left back. I think most of those were expected. Um, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Tommy at right back or Cedric, as I'd mentioned, but yeah, um, not a massive surprise there. Was surprised to see Moel Nenny back at the six. So obviously we knew that he was back in training, which was great, but you never know when a player just comes back from training, whether or not they're sort of match fit, ready to go, but it looks like he is. And to be fair to him, he had a decent game. It was a very Mo Elneny game, you know, six and a half out of ten, seven if you want to be generous. Didn't really do anything wrong, but wasn't exactly spectacular, which is fine. For a game like this, at home against FC Zurich, a six out of ten is fine, you know, from a Mo Elneny. And that's what you get from Mo Elneny, so we're not going to go over that. Um, it did mean, though, that Sambi Lukonga could go play at the eight alongside Fabio Vieira, and you'll remember, of course, that Actually, in pre-season, in the run-up to the season, Sambi was getting minutes at the eight. So you'll remember there was the um, F, there was the pre-season game against Chelsea in which he actually scored a header um, playing at the eight. So it was good to see him get an opportunity there to see what he looks like in that position. And then you had Reese Nelson, Eddie, and Jesus up front, which was um, again not unsurprising. I, w- I was kind of surprised to see Jesus start, if I'm honest. But when you think about it, not that surprising. We needed to win the game. He needs a goal. Um, you know, the the opposition isn't one that we should be particularly worried about. Um, so good opportunity for him to get a goal. He didn't, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, Eddie wide left and Reese on the right. And Reese Nelson, of course, um, keeping his place in the starting lineup after a fantastic display um, on the weekend where he bagged two goals and an assist. So yeah, that was start the, the starting lineup. We had Carl Hine, James Hilson. William Saliba, Cedric Suarez, uh, Tomiyasu, Zinchenko, Thomas Partey, Odegaard, Saka, Matt Smith, Martellini and Marquinhos all on the bench. Zinchenko, of course, back in the matchday squad after a lengthy absence. Um, he didn't. He wasn't able to get on um, in the end. It looked like he might do, but um, given the you know what took place on the pitch and the potential injury to Tomiyasu, I'm guessing Arteta thought better of it and probably best given that uh, Zurich were applying the um, kick the shit out of them tactics that so many teams seem to try on us these days. But there we are. Um, so yeah. So the first half started and Zurich were pressing a lot. I was expecting I was expecting us to start pretty fast, to be honest, and I was expecting them to kind of just immediately be on the back foot. But they really were trying to bring the game to us, which credit to them. You know, if you... I've, I've long since thought that when you're playing against a better team, often there's a psychological component where teams are beaten before they try and they just fall back. But you may get some joy if you put them under pressure. And they they put us under a little bit of pressure. It didn't come to anything, but they certainly did try. Um, you know, it's it's particularly tricky for them as they were pretty much without a win all season until last week. Um, change managers, so this could be sort of a new manager bounce type situation, but they were definitely trying to show lots of ambition and bring the, the game to us in the first 10 minutes. Um, you know, the one thing I noticed early on is that they were trying really hard to work the ball out wide, right? To try and get some crosses in and exploit the spaces that we leave on the defensive flanks. Um, however, you know, them pushing forward to do that was leaving space in behind. And obviously, 
space in behind is something we love to exploit. So um, it was an interesting one that in the ordinarily, you know, that space in behind is always a bit of a risk for us and they really were trying to exploit it, but leaving themselves exposed in the process. Um, so the first, you know, probably I'd say 10 minutes, yeah, zero compressing pretty high, um, getting a lot of progress in terms of getting that ball wide right. Um, and I was quite surprised by how far up the field they were. Um, I think they managed to get a a corner around the ninth or 10th minute. Um, Matt uh, Katic headed to Tosin, but uh, Tosin was offside. It, they, it was a pretty well-worked set piece by them, to be fair. And in fact, a bit of a foreshadowing of what was to come. Um, I always love a bit of Ramsdale play in terms of what he does. And I find it pretty incredible, actually, that a lot of the time we forget how vital he is to our build-up because we're so used to having him there now. Um, you know, ha- after having, you know, goalkeepers like Ospina and Czech and then Leno, um, having a goalkeeper who's really adept at, at playing with their feet is something that, you know, I don't think we should ever forget how crucial it is to how we play. So around 12 minutes in, Ramsdale did this amazing daisy cutter along the floor, um, straight down the throat of the Zurich uh, team. It goes straight to Z- uh, Jesus, who gives it to Vieira, and he carries it upfield. Um, he was expecting a bit of a different run from Nelson. They weren't really on the same wavelength. Um, and so in the end, it didn't come to anything, but it was great work um, by the team. Um, but unfortunately, um, Vieira carried the ball into the box and got dispossessed. It is one of those things that happens when you rotate a lot for European competition in European group stages. You lose those automatisms because the players, while these players have been played together somewhat um, over the course of these last few weeks in the Europa League, it's a bit stop and start and you know there's a lot of shift there's a lot of change you know one time it might be Marquinhos with Eddie ahead of him and Martinelli to the left next it's Jesus in the middle and Eddie to the left and Nelson to the right one minute it's Shaka at the eight with Vieira then it's you know Sambi and Vieira so there's a lot of shift there's a lot of change and so you don't get to build up those partnerships that you know the Premier League team have built up over weeks and weeks and weeks of playing together as well as training together um, so that contributes in part to some of the performances that we've seen, particularly in the last few weeks in the Europa League. It, it doesn't explain everything, but it certainly contributes to it. Um, and so, yeah, you know, we slowly start to get back into the game. Um, it was, we, we were starting to sort of impose ourselves a bit more after I think what was a start that kind of took us back a bit. As I said, nothing really came from it, but you could see the players were certainly not at their best the ball wasn't really sticking to feet there was a lot of poor touches um you know not really winning second balls and that kind of thing um but we did manage to get a corner kick around the 14th minute um good set piece play past the edge of the area there was sort of a miss hit shot that headed towards jesus um he managed to sort of spin on the spot and uh, get a shot off but it was blocked um it was a good bit of innovation for, from jesus and you could tell he really wanted that goal today um we did get that goal, but it didn't come from Jesus. Uh, it came from Kieran Tierney, who rightly mad at the match for his performance. He was fantastic. And he was one of those players who was playing like a player that wanted to get his uh, his shirt back. He wanted to get his starting spot in the Premier League back. Some of the players, I think, were managing their way through the game, as I think some players have been over the course of this really congested month um, that, that's just gone by. And some players... You know, they they respond to the level when the game gets tougher. They step it up when the game maybe isn't as tough. They kind of drop off. But Tierney's one of those players that's just on it. He shows up and he performs, and it doesn't really matter who the team is. He may not always play well, but he 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 tries to put on a performance. I think, and in this game, he performed really really well. Um, there was less of the sort of standing in the penalty area, contributing to build up um, in the way that Tommy Asu did, for example, on the weekend. Um, this was very much a atypical Tierney bombing down the channels, whipping in crosses, um, being a threat on the outside. Um, that isn't to say he didn't come inside, of course, but he certainly was trying his best to to be that attacking threat. And I think that really dovetailed well with Eddie, who was finding every opportunity to drive inwards and inside to try and get a shot off and, and um, get a goal. But in this particular uh in this particular instance, Jesus worked really hard to keep possession on the edge of zone 14. He was being sandwiched in by two Zurich players. The ball ends up going out wide to Nelson, who plays a lovely weighted pass between two Zurich defenders for 
for Ben White, who's gone on the overlap. Um, if you look back at the goal and look back at that pass from Nelson, it's perfectly weighted for to to get into the stride of White as he steps onto it so he can cut back. Brilliant pass. So White goes on the overlap. He picks out the, the cutback. The ball gets blocked. Vieira has a shot. It looks like there might be a call for a handball, but it gets knocked away. The ball gets knocked away by Zurich. Um, and it just falls to Tierney, who's running onto it, onto the edge of the area. And he just gets over the top of the ball and sort of half volleys it past the keeper. And the keeper has absolutely no chance because flies into the bottom corner. Brilliant strike, brilliant shot, well-deserved from Tierney. You can see how much it meant to him in the celebrations. You know, love to love the replay, see Ramsdale going absolutely nuts and, and, and running up to him and and that kind of thing. I mean, it's been tough for Tierney. He's been used to being the starting left-back um, for pretty much the entirety of his career. He He's a player that, you know, people love, and rightly so. And it's been tough for him to watch as a right-footed player has basically taken his spot at left-back after an incoming player took his spot at left-back. So, you know, at one point, it looked like he might be the third-choice left-back, and but were it not for injuries, that may have been the case. And we understand that's a lot to do with um, how Arteta wants to play and how the left-back steps into the middle of the pitch, um, inverts, and not only contributes to ball progression, but also sort of a first line of defence in terms of blocking off um, any def- uh, any attacking motions by the other team before they can exploit the space down the left-hand channel. So given Tierney's attributes, it's not a role he's best suited to, but you've seen over the weeks he's been trying but on top of trying to improve in that side of it, you've also seen in the last few weeks in some of the Europa League games that he's really been trying to um, be effective in the final third as well, not just from crossing, but with shots as well. I can't remember whether it was the Berda Glimpse game or the PSV game. I think it was one of the PSV games where he had a, a shot that rifled off the post. Um, he's been driving into the box a lot more, doing really well on that front. So he's clearly working hard to be effective for the manager in, in various different ways. So, Credit to him for getting the goal. Really happy for him, delighted, delighted, and of course, happy that we managed to get the goal early on because, of course, the longer the game goes on without a goal, the more pressure, the more anxiety, the more tense it gets, the more you might snatch at chances and and that kind of thing. So it's really important to get an early goal. And so we did that, and that is fantastic. Um, and after that, again, it was pretty much, you know, it was pretty much under control. We weren't great by any stretch of the imagination, um, but you know, for me personally, I think for the most part, we had we had things out of control. There was a slight moment where um, around nearly around the 20-minute mark, I think, where Holding was in a foot race with Tosin. And it looked like Holding could get to the ball, but almost like he gave up on it. But I think that was sort of a optical illusion based on the angle of the camera to the pitch because it made Holding maybe look like he was closer to the ball than he was. But in any case, he got beaten to it by um, Tosin. Um, it allowed Zurich to get sort of a foothold on the ball at... Um, at that point of the game, which wasn't great. And it was one or two, I might be being unfair to holding there, but the reason I mention it is because it's one or two moments where holding does something that just kind of puts us under a little bit more pressure than we need to be in. And like I've said before, I don't tend to criticize him too much because he is who he is. His level is his level. Um, You know, it's perfectly fine for him to play in these games. Um, We need him for these games, but it's clear for where this team is going, even as a backup, we probably need to move past him. Um, but fortunately, he wasn't the, the story of this game. Um, there was a moment around a couple of minutes later where there was a fierce shot from Eddie that rebounded. Jesus used his low centre of gravity, sort of knocked the defender off the ball. Um, after he had an attempt blocked, Cole went out for a corner. Um, you could really tell that both Jesus and Eddie really wanted a goal. Both gone seven games without one, now eight. Um Jesus was trying to get involved in the play like he typically does. You know, he's a player that works really hard, is all over the place. There were times when he was in the left defensive half space picking up the ball. Um, he was incredibly deep a lot of the times, but still being effective up top in terms of link with players and occupying the defence and keeping them busy. So um, it's a shame that they weren't able to be more effective on the day. But when you get the win, like I said, the the, the last few games, the next few games, it's just about the win. It doesn't even matter how you get there. And I'm putting this game in one of those boxes, which is we got the win. That's all that matters. Um, speaking of Tierley earlier, there was um, he was having a lot of joy on the overlap. Um, and as I spoke about, it's sort of in part, I think, connected to Eddie going inside. 
Um, there was some good work around the 23rd minute to create space in the left attack and half space. Um, Eddie could have done a give and go with Lokonga, but passed it back to Jesus, who almost managed to slot a uh, incredible line-breaking pass to Vieira, but it was uh, blocked out before it could get to Vieira's feet. But that would have been an incredible piece of play, actually, if it if it had come off, but it didn't. So it's one of those that sort of disappears into the ether and no one really talks about. But it was a good moment. Um, speaking of good moments, there was a really good give and go around the 30th minute between Eddie and Tierney. Um, there was a pass to Jesus, who then did a lovely flick for Eddie to run onto. So he sort of did a little flick of the heel and the ball just landed perfectly in Eddie's path. Um, and Eddie, as Eddie's running into the box, he's having his shirt pulled, like visibly pulled. You know that thing where the shirt is, you know, 30 centimetres away from the player's body because it's just been pulled by a defender and nothing's given. It's ridiculous. Um, because Eddie stays on his feet as he tries to get the goal, um, there's no foul given. So um, ball falls to Vieira, his shot's blocked by Jesus. It then falls to Nelson, his shot's blocked uh, by a Berdegif defender before, uh, by Zurich defender, sorry, before balls uh, the riff gives offside. Now, what I find ridiculous about this is there was a moment sort of in terms of the shirt pool where there was sort of maximum elasticity of the shirt. And at that point, if Eddie falls to the ground, guaranteed penalty, absolute guaranteed penalty. But it's ridiculous that he should have to go to the ground to get that penalty. Now, the whole point is that if his shirt is being pulled in a way that's impeding him um, unfairly, then that's a penalty. And it was. So I have no idea why the ref wouldn't give it unless he goes down. Now, the player shouldn't have to go down to get the pen. That's that's my feeling on it. If it's a penalty, it's a penalty. It isn't determined by whether the, the player falls to the floor. It's just about whether they were sort of unfairly impeded. And he was. Um, it's a shame, really, that that, that has to, that players have to go to ground. Um, I, for one, you know, regardless, gamesmanship, whatever you want to call it, it's diving. I hate it. But if you're telling me that that's what you have to do to get the call, then maybe Eddie needs to be a bit more cynical, a bit more snide and go down there. Um, you know, again, if he wants to be a ruthless winner, finisher, elite attacker, then certain times you have to just be a little bit cynical and do what you got to do to win. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it, but there we are. But that being said, of course, as I said, the onus isn't on Eddie, the onus is on a ref. And I'm not one to talk about referee performances. I find the whole conversation around refs nine times out of ten, I find the, the conversation really boring. Um, but that ref had a shock of that game. He really, really did. Um, the game played in, to be honest. But there we are. Um, I was talking about holding earlier. There was another moment around 34th minute. Um, holding sort of turns to try to kick the ball away and misses. Complete air kick and Akita gets the ball and runs down on goal. Um, but he's denied with his shots deflected. That that moment for holding was not a good look, and that one will be getting pulled up and clipped up. I'm sure, as uh, as the you know we see the scenes on All or Nothing. I'm sure it's going to get clipped up and shown to him. He'll know he, he could do better than that. Um, the deflected shot nearly sort of the pace of it nearly um, put Ramsdale in a sticky situation, but he managed to scramble and retain the ball. From there, we counter attack, get a corner. Um, Eddie gets his head to the in-swinging corner and it's a brilliant save at the near, po near post from the goalkeeper. I thought we'd cross the line, but it was actually a, a really good save. And again, Eddie will be frustrated that he didn't manage to get the goal, but he did everything right there. It was just well done by the keeper. Um, and at that point, we're starting to ball just a little bit. You know, we're starting to kick ball and I'm thinking, okay, okay, we're we're picking up here. We've managed to get a bit done. Um, but ultimately, I think it's... Yeah, ultimately it wasn't really ever sort of we we were doing fine, but we never really came alight. If that made sense, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, again, we had good moments. There was a moment towards the end of the half where Sambi retained possession in the defensive half space. He gave the ball to Tierney, and Tierney then goes on a run through the thirds. It's a really good run. Um, he has a moment where rather than checking back, he does a little feint and keeps going. Um, and that kick and run, if you look at it, the spacing of the of his strides and when he kicks the ball forward, he kicks it far enough forward and it draws the Zurich defender to the ball, making him think he can get closer to it and close down Tierney. Because it draws him in, Tierney's then able to sort of divert the ball um, into Eddie's path to the left-hand side, who's been demanding the pass, and that takes that defender out of the game. 
Eddie plays a good cut back uh, to Vieira, but his shot's blocked. It was really great pay, play from Tierney, showing great personality, great quality, um, particularly when the team needed it. Um, unfortunately, it didn't come to anything, but again, more evidence of, of Tierney's demonstration that he wants his shirt back. And ultimately, we need the competition. And given what happened towards the end of the game in terms of uh, Tomiyasu, it may be that he ends up in a position where he'll he'll get those minutes. I suspect it's largely going to depend on just how fit Zinchenko is. So um, depending on what happens with Tomiyasu, um, Arteta may well have a uh, something to think about there. And it was around this time that I think PSV went 1-0 up um, against Berta Glint. Now again, a win is a must because a draw puts us in a position where we end up second a place on goal difference so we don't want those kind of problems so it really was important to to get the win there um we got to half time and we're firmly in control we haven't been great but we're in control um we've only got the one goal to show for it but it could have it could have been more um really good half from tierney good work from jesus el nelly did his thing and ben white was being ben white just quietly brilliant as he has been pretty much all season I, for one, am more than happy for Ben White to continue going on being anonymously brilliant. It's ridiculous that he doesn't get the credit he deserves. But frankly, while it may or may not be frustrating for him, I don't give a shit. Continue doing your thing, Benjamin White. You're doing great. Um, Second half starts. And, well, we have some good moments before the game kind of goes to shit. So pretty much a minute into the second half, we get a, a free kick, deep um, in-swinging uh, cross. Um, ball goes to the other side of the box. I think it's Gabriel Magalias. He nearly gets ahead on it, but it ends up being deflected to the left-hand side of the six-yard box and lands perfectly for Gabriel Jesus, who looks like he's about to slow it into the far side of the goal. And the ball just deflects off the keeper's back as he turns away. Um, and the ball's deflected wide, and you could just see Jesus' frustration because he's looking, and in that moment, he's thinking, this is the goal. And not only would it have been an important goal for him, as it would have broken his current um, goalless streak, it effectively would have killed the game. A goal that early in the second half would have killed the game off. There would have been no way back for them, I think. Um, so it was so frustrating for that not to go in for him and for the team. Um Around the 53rd minute, there was some good movement from Lokonga. Ball worked around the front of the defensive line. He continued that run to the byline, um, and Tierney, who had the ball in the left attacking half space, found him with a pass behind the defence. Um, really good run by Tomiyasu. Good awareness by Tierney to pick him out. He did try a little skill but, um, to get past the defender on the byline, but it didn't come off. But that kind of run is the run that Shaka has been making all season, and it was a uh, good to see that um, Lokonga was doing that because that's something that Arteta would be wanting from him. Unfortunately for Lokonga, he wasn't doing enough of that throughout the game. Some of that I think was to do with him and some of it was to do with maybe some of the players in key parts of the pitch that he would have been expected to link up with. Um, whether or not he'll feel as though he took his chance in this game to show the manager what he can do at, at, it, at, the, at the sort of left eight, I don't think he did. I know Arteta kind of spoke on that, but I think he gave a very political answer, you know, that managers give when they want to kind of support their players and encourage them. But I think, you know, football's a pretty ruthless sport and they have pretty frank conversations in there. And I think the conversation will be, you were all right, just all right, is is I think what he would have been told. Um, look, we're 1-0 up. We need that second goal. Um you know, they could score from a corner, a free kick, a deflected shot, anything can happen. So we need to make sure we get that second uh, second goal if we want to be certain. Um, and towards the sort of, you know, 60th minutes or so, the game's really getting bogged down as, you know, Zurich really start to go in with the heavy fouls. Um, and it's around the 60th minute that Elneny and Jesus come off and Party and Saka come on. And I know people would have been going, oh, no, geez. You know, a game, a needless game in the Europa League where we're already through, you know, Saka had got a bad kick on the weekend. Party can barely stay fit for, barely stay fit half the time. You know, it's a recipe for disaster. But we have a pretty small squad at the moment and we have to go through top of the group. We just have to. Not just to avoid the the Champions League playoff, the, the game where the Champions League um, teams that they drop in that, that extra playoff game, 
But we also need to avoid it because look at the group we're in. Look at the Europa League group stage we're in. You can't be finishing second in that. You just can't. You're the better. You're the better team there. You're one of the best teams in the competition. You got to be finishing top of the group. So it's understandable that the likes of Saka and Party come on to try and finish the game off. Um, but it did mean that Eddie went through the middle. Nelson was on the left. Saka was on the right, and we had a front three that was very much an advert for the success of Hayland. Um which was fantastic to see because, you know, they they all would have been at different stages in terms of their development. Um, I think Nelson and Nketi would have been closer together and Saka a bit behind them um, in terms of their their sort of year groups in, in, in the Arsenal development system. But for them all to kind of come through that system and then be, you know, playing up front um, in the forward line for Arsenal in a European competition says a lot about their progress. So... In all the hypercritical, hyper-focused aspects of the analysis of the performance and the team and the players and everything else, it shouldn't be missed that, you know, we pretty much ended this game with a hail end front three, which I think is is a great testament to the club and the good work that's been done to turn around the fortunes of the academy because you may well remember it wasn't many years ago, you know, just pre-Mertzeka where the academy was not producing um, at this rate. It really wasn't. And it might be just that there was a a gap in terms of the, the talent pool at that point. But, you know, we, we know that a lot of our young players sort of went on to play for other teams in Europe and are doing really, really well, including Benazir, who's obviously recently won the league with Milan, um, and Donnell Malin, who's now, you know, at Dortmund. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, the point is, it shouldn't go unnoticed, uh, I think is the point. I won't belabor it. But yeah, um, did hear that PSV were comfortably 2-0 up at this point. Um, and yeah, now the game is starting to get a little bit sticky because Zurich really have made sure that we are not playing well and we aren't up in the levels. So we're now in a position where we really can't afford to make any silly mistakes. Um don't get me wrong, for me personally, they really weren't offering anything moving forward, just Greco-Roman wrestling techniques, to be honest. Um, but I'm thinking about where the next goal's coming from. Um, and as I'm thinking about that, actually, it's around the 65th minute where Eddie sort of breezes past the defender and nearly onto a loose ball. He nearly takes the ball off a keeper's feet, but the keeper manages to clear it. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, is it going to... Nope, never mind, never mind. Back to back to the sort of... Back to the regular scheduling program, scheduled programming. Um we did get a bit of a warning around the 67th minute. Um, FC Zurich managed to put the ball into the net. It got called offside, but it was close. So holding headers the ball away, um, but it comes back as we don't win the second ball. Marcosano gives the ball to Akita on the left-hand side of our goal. Um, White has him covered, but holding decides he wants to go play hero ball and runs towards Akita. That means he vacates the space he's supposed to be defending. Akita checks back inside, leaving holding in no man's land. Uh, Makita then cuts the ball back to the edge of the area where Marcosano uh, gives it a hit. Fantastic diving save from Ramsdale, but Guerrero's there for Zurich to put the ball in the net. Thankfully, he's offside and we really got away with it. If that goal had stood, there would have been big questions asked and I think people would have particularly been looking at what the hell Rob Holding was doing there because his decision to step out, when you see it, you're going to ask yourself why he thought to do that. Um, but there we are. Um, thankfully, got away with it. Um, after that, you know, a bit of time left. Um, Tommy comes on, Odegaard comes on, Vieira comes off, White comes off. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, a goal for Zurich at this point, and we finish second, a goal for us, we win it, next goal wins. Turns out there was no next goal. Um, they almost had one in. There was a shot around 79 minutes, uh, which whistled just over the bar. Ramsdale was fully beaten. They actually do really well there. Uh, I think it's Vunic who drops into a space between midfield and defence, picks up the ball, turns and goes and just hits it for 25 yards. And the replay shows it literally just sort of skims the the, the top of the bar. Um, so the game ends up being a, a little bit more nervy than I anticipated, but I'm still not worried. I'm still not thinking to myself, oh, shit, you know, we might lose this or anything like that. Not at all. It's just um, we're just not dominating the play. We're just not, you know, doing what we did against Forest on the weekend, for example. Now, the thing about the system we've been playing this year, the the sort of positional play thing, is it requires you to attack the five channels. 
Um, but we really weren't attacking all five, really. I think we were attacking four at most for the most part. Um, and they've been able to defend it pretty easily, to be honest, um, without much without much difficulty. Um, particularly from the 70th minute onwards, we really didn't put them under much stress. Um, we had some chances, but you really do need to be committed to attacking those five channels. The thing about the way we set up is you've got those two centre-backs covering um, the defensive half spaces that get vacated in those defensive channels. You get your full-backs who invert and provide support to your number six. Um, that helps you not only uh, with build-up, but it helps you retain possession because if the ball breaks loose, they can come, clean it up, you regain, you retain, you go again. And so you create this sort of pressure cooker between the two defenders, um, the number six and the three, and the two invented, inverted fullbacks, and then the five attacking lanes where your um, your two number eights, your two wide plays, and your centre forward are. Um, and the ability to pass the ball around those areas moves people around. Quick switches means they can't get sh shift people over in time, so you can get a good one on one, um, or you know, good rotation, leave space, create space. It creates disorganisation and chaos that you can exploit. So. But, but for all of that to work, you've got to attack all five channels. Otherwise, they can defend quite comfortably, which is what was happening. Um, we're clearly better than them. We just needed to get back to our footballing principles. But we didn't. Instead, what happened is Tommy Asu looked like he felt something, hamstring, muscle injury perhaps, and had to come off for Cedric. Yikes. Um, yeah, that's not good. That's really not good. Um, don't know what I was expecting, to be honest. But it just seems to be the case that just as we get someone back, we lose someone else. And don't get me wrong, it's been a really, really, really challenging month. I think there is some degree to which we're all kind of just acclimatized to how busy a month it's been. There are not usually this many games in one month. And now we've hit, entered the November period where we've got a few games before the World Cup. And it may just be that, you know, we're going to see start to see a few players, um, you know, go obviously... Players like Son um, had an issue, Ben Chilwell, you know, uh, Carl Walker recently. Obviously, we've got Tommy Asu now. I reckon in this sort of last week or so before t uh, the league season ends, we're probably going to see a few players break down just before the, the camps for the World Cup, which is unfortunate, but to be expected given the scheduling. Fingers crossed it's not too bad for Tommy Asu, but we are where we are. Um we're now getting towards the end of the game. Uh, Zurich had a moment where they had a dangerous ball whipped in, missed everyone, um, nearly got a shot off, but Lukonga was there to get a foot in, on it and block the shot. Um, there was a moment where Tierney looked like he was down injured, but he was fine in the end, just took a bit of a knock. I'm sure it'll be swollen and a bit sore this morning, but he's fine. Um, and then we got right towards the end of the game, I think 90 minutes plus five, Gabriel gives away a free kick. There's a deep cross, free header goes just over the bar. We were really living dangerously. Now, I, I'm convinced it would have been given offside if the ball had gone in, but you're still living a bit dangerously. Thankfully, though, the game ends 1-0 to us. Happy the group stage is over. Um, suspect these games are just a bit more difficult when you have a team who's willing to just stick the boot in. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, as I said, when you rotate in some of your rotational options for these games and it's a bit of a hodgepodge, you lose those automatisms, um, so you're not able to maybe show your best selves. But it is what it is. You get the win, you go through, you go on to the next one. Anyway, that's it for part one. Part two, we'll talk about some of the stats and other talking points from the game before we wrap up. So yeah, see you guys in a bit. Welcome to part two of the Hybrid Club. It's your boy Caesar here. Thank you very much for joining us back. So just spoke about the game in the first half of the show so just going to uh, talk about the stats and some of the other talking points in the second half um stats are quite interesting for this game despite the fact the game itself wasn't very um we had 1.6 expected goals they had 0 0.4 um so we were just below the expected goals for the game and really uh, it kind of does show that while i think we had enough chances. It's not exactly like we were absolutely blitzing their goal, were we? Um, we did have 17 shots to their seven, four on target to their two. To be honest, I couldn't even remember 17 shots being being let off, but there we are. Um, possession was 55.9% to their 44.1. Um, the field tilt in our favour was 65.3 to their 34.7. Now, it really didn't feel like we had that much the ball in their half of the pitch, 
but it could also be that this game was so mind-numbingly, annoyingly, stupidly difficult, tricky, and boring while being simultaneously uncomplicated and you know we were never really under threat it could be that it was all of those things rolled into one and so my brain is just kind of put it in the black hole where all the boring european fixtures go that i never want to think about again so it's very easy that i've kind of just erased much of what happened in the game and instead i've just held on to a few moments that have colored my opinion of what happened but you know, we did get 49 deep touches to their 25, 22 zone 14 touches to their nine. Now, when you care, compare that to, for example, to Nottingham Forest against Forest, we had, you know, uh, 76 deep touches to their 15. We had 62 final third entries to their 19. In this game, we had 44 final third entries to their 27. So, you know, compare that to a game like Forest where we really did obliterate them and you can see that it wasn't really that kind of game. Um, but thankfully, we won, so who the fuck cares, quite frankly. Talking points, let's start with Kieran Tierney. Let's give this man his flowers. Brilliant, brilliant performance. Spoke about him a little bit in part one, but really um, has to be has to be sort of focused on that he did brilliantly well. Um, in this game, he played the full 90 minutes, 66 touches, 29 passes with an 80.6% accuracy, two key passes, three grand duels, ground duels with 100% success, four aerial duels to one, one dribble, 100% success, one clearance, two tackles, one goal, and a clean sheet for your boy. Give it up to Kieran Tierney. Um, great performance. On a day when people were generally bad, he was good. Um, there was one moment where he absolutely skinned the opposition fullback um, so badly that they had to rip the literal shirt off his back just to stop him having a clear run down the wing. Um, brilliant shots of Tierney stood there with his shirt ripped, like, what the hell? Like, did, can you not see this shit? Um, now, I don't know whether or not the club planned to release a new line of Kieran Tierney Adidas collab merch, which is just basically a shirt, a ripped shirt, sort of, you know, but I don't think many of us have tierney's abs so that's probably not a good idea plus that's more of a spring summer festival type vibe i don't know if that's an autumn winter thing but you know it's arsenal adidas merch so even if they did it i'm sure most people would buy it um just gotta say tierney keep doing your thing i think the reality is that it's always going to be difficult when you face competition that you've not faced before as this team has gone through transition tierney has been a forever present i mean he was one of the candidates for the captain um, at one point future captain and he probably still is a candidate for a future captain depending on how this team evolves but once it kind of evolved to the point where a lot of the players that weren't quite up to it were moved on we now start to see how Arteta wants to play you are start to you are starting to question his future a little bit which is unfortunate but not surprising given the style of play it's not about talent it's not about ability this is more about form and style I think. And by form, I don't mean his actual form and his performances. I mean, form as in just his physical makeup and how he plays and his footballing dynamics, his sort of biomechanics versus what the manager requires from that position. I think there are question marks about whether he's a fit. Now, bear in mind, this team went through many iterations, many different things where different things were required of Kiratini. So there was a point where, you know, he was left back slash left centre back. Then he was the sort of marauding, overlapping fullback, whipping in 20 crosses a game. Um, and then he became more of a conventional fullback, but he was expected to kind of push up a little bit in support um, of, of the attack. And now we see the left back is very much someone who foot on the ball, middle of the pitch, helping to retain possession and, and progress the ball. And Tierney's had to do it all. Um and so it's not surprising that he's he's lost his place, um, particularly given, you know, part it was in part due to an injury he suffered early in the season. But it's fantastic to see him fighting. It's an example to the rest of the team. You know, players like Lukonga, like Nelson, um, don't, you know, don't give up, basically. Don't think, oh, I'm not playing boohoo. Nope. Keep your head down. Keep fighting. Keep working. You'll get your chances. And if you take them, you never know. Um, because we're all sat here thinking it could be it for Tierney. And again, understandable, but you never know. Um, you really do. So 
good for him. Um, now, on the Lokonga thing, I want to talk a little bit about Eddie and Lokonga. There's a bit of a narrative floating around that sort of seems to suggest that, you know, the team isn't going to go anywhere with players like them or, you know, they're not up to it or they're not at it. We, I say we can't. We're football fans and we, you know, we live for the moment, right? It's why part of why we love the game is how the game makes you feel in the moment. But we really shouldn't be, when it comes to player evaluations, oscillating from their terrible get them out of the club to they're the next fucking world beaters. We can't be oscillating like that game by game. Um, development isn't linear. And this is something we really need to get through our heads as football fans. We really need to drum it in. Development is not linear. It's not like FIFA where, you know, you get that young player who comes in through the academy if you do career mode. And when you get them, they're at like 62. And then you play them and they jump to 66 and they jump to 69 and then 73 and 75 and 77 and 82. And all of a sudden, you know, they're in your first team and they're, they're, you know, they're doing the business. Doesn't really work quite like that. You know, there are setbacks, there are bad games, there are challenges, you know, there are personal issues they'll go through in their life. There are personal circumstances they have to deal with, mental health pressures that they're facing, you know, challenging moments. There's all sorts of things that happen off the field, even in training, for example. They might just hit a bit of a wall where there's a slight tactical shift in the team that they've got to adapt to. It doesn't really suit their, it doesn't really suit their, um, the way they play and so it takes them a bit longer to adapt it, there's all sorts of things that happen beyond just what they do on the pitch that impacts their development so they might look one way now but in time they might look another way maybe not that's the thing about football development you never quite know it's a harsh business you know a lot of time has been spent evaluating Lokonga at the six because when he was bought it was said that a lot of people he said it himself a lot of people saw him as a six um now, just because that's what he was bought to be cover for, and you know, he may well have been bought to be the party replacement in the future, um, it doesn't mean that that's how they see him now. It doesn't mean necessarily that that's bad squad building. Sometimes you kind of have to pivot based on the information available at the time. It could be that now people see him more as an eight inside the club. And to be fair, in preseason, he played at, at an eight. Um, I have no idea whether Sammy is going to make it or not. I suspect probably not at the club, but I think he'll go on to be a good player wherever he plays. Um, whether it's here, I'm not sure, but I'm not writing him off because I've seen players who I thought would not make it and they did. And I've seen players who I thought would be great and they weren't. So I'm not, I'm not making any determinations on him, but what I'm looking for is more, sign of trajectory sign of development now it's for the club to decide how much time they want to invest in him in terms of doing that do they and it's also for him to decide how much time he wants to spend being a development project because he'd go to a different team in a different league week in week out he's playing he's not a development project he's there to make an impact straight away and i know there's going to be people listening to this saying he's not 18 or 19 he's like 22 23 we didn't buy him for 7 million we bought him for 15 he's got me i hear you I hear you. I, I'm telling you, I hear you. The point I'm trying to make is, though, we are still a team in transition. And we've had a lot of transition. He's been brought in. He's been covering at the six. I suspect that actually the club wanted to play him as at an eight. But due to the injury to Nenny, he wasn't. We've judged him at the six. Now it's time to give him time at the eight. This is his first game at the eight since Nenny's come back. And so... You know, again, those shifts, those changes, getting up to speed, those are things that can sometimes take a little bit of time. Unfortunately for him, this is football. You don't always get that time. Um, and the reality is Arteta may be saying the same thing. You might be like, yeah, I get it. It's difficult, but like this is what's expected of you. So if you don't do it, mm, sorry, mate. So it, that's how it could go. We don't know. But I just, I'm just hopeful that we can see a little bit less. I mean, look, we're talking about football fans and particularly things like football Twitter and stuff. It's never really going to be that way. But I'm just hoping we can see a bit more of a considered approach to the practical realities of what it entails to be a young footballer at a club like the Arsenal and not just you're playing, therefore you should be great. It's just not how it works. It may be how we want it to work, but it's just not the reality of it. That being said, do I think Lokonga um, did enough to kind of 
put an end to the talk about his position and his role? No. Um, do I think he should have been able to? He should have been able to. But as I say, there's all sorts of things that happen around football that we don't know. So what I will say is, you know, in these last few weeks, we don't know what kind of opportunity he'll get at the eight to show what he can do. But whatever opportunity he gets, he really needs to deliver because, you know, the team will go away. We'll have the warm weather training camp, I imagine, while the World Cup's on. Um, and depending on what happens when we get back, you know, first game back is Boxing Day. You know, a week later, January window's open. And you've got to imagine the club will be looking to strengthen. The last couple of windows we have not really strengthened in January, um, not to address sort of what was really needed. You've got to imagine the club aren't going to let this January window go through and do the same thing. I mean, they might if the January window is a notorious time for conmen and, and grifters, to be honest. There's players who want to get out because they're not playing and there's players who want to get out because they're not good. And so there's plenty of um, teams who want to offload that. Think of it this way, right? January transfer window. If Think of the players who are currently contracted to the club who you would love to get rid of in January. There aren't many because the squad's pretty good at the moment. But just think of the players you'd want to get rid of. Now, imagine they played for someone else. Would you want us to buy them? And that's kind of the point I'm making. You know, it's there aren't going to be many opportunities to buy many players who would upgrade who you know who would be an upgrade for us who we either aren't going to spend ridiculous money on or who aren't going to be a complete gamble and factoring the fact it's the world cup a winter world cup so there's going to be plenty of players whose prices are going to skyrocket based off a of performance over the course of a month so there are going to be some players who you know agents and clubs are going to be trying to ship you know push onto us because they've had a good month of the world cup more times we buy them and they're not great. So, you know, it's a tricky time, but he's got to be looking at his position and his performances because it may just be that the club say, Do you know what? Yeah, let's get ourselves a midfielder who can play at that six, but maybe let's get us a midfielder who can play at the six and the eight. I'm just saying, you never know. Um, particularly if they're not going to be your walk into the, into the starting lineup type of player, then maybe you want to play who's a bit versatile. And we know Arteta likes a versatile player that can cover multiple positions. So we'll see. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm honestly not. These are just thoughts. They're not thought, They're not well thought out or fully formed. I'm just sort of talking off the top of my head at this stage about just some of the things that are going on in my mind. So you have to bear with me. Um, but hopefully you followed my train of thought there. I kind of have a stream of consciousness sort of way of doing things. So I, things just go on in my head and I just kind of say them or whatever gets said gets said so hopefully you can follow my nonsense but in any case um yeah eddie yeah he'll be disappointed as i said for the europa league group stage in particular eddie's moment eddie's time to shine eddie's competition Art artessa would have told him as much they would have been straight to him and said look you want games we want goals. The Europa League group stage is your time to bag. You're an absolute bag man. Go get goals. And he just hasn't done that. Um, and he'll be disappointed. He started off well in the early stages of the competition. He'll be disappointed that he couldn't keep it going. But there's more games to come. We're through. We're top. He'll play in the knockout rounds, whether he starts. I don't know. I really don't want to see him start wide. I suspect we probably won't, depending on, you know, getting players like Smith Rowe back and... Um, the rotations that could happen um given the the fact that you know the league will be back up and will be others on the other side of the world cup at that point but eddie will get games i don't know if it's through the middle or on the left i hope it's not on the left because it's functional in the sense that it's not that it doesn't work it just doesn't work well um he's ultimately always looking to come inside which is understandable because let's face it he's a striker but it just means we're not offered much on the overlap and Tierney can do that fine but it's not it's not the game that's been effective for us up to this point of the season so if we persist with it and it's not as effective why are we persisting with it and so it's fine for the group stage it's fine to get you through I just hope we don't see it in the knockout rounds I hope we kind of go back to our more conventional style which has worked for us up till this point um he'll be disappointed but equally you know like he said in his interview a, a little while back you know, if you only play a certain amount of minutes and you don't get the consistency, it can be tricky. You need a run of games. Personally, I think he's got plenty of minutes. Personally, I think he's had a run of games. 
I just think it's been tricky as ultimately the team have had to sort of shift people around to find players to cover positions as we've had the injuries. I think if Smith Rowe was fit, he'd be playing. And you'd have Eddie through the middle and Smith Rowe on the left. But um, but there we are. I think he'll be disappointed, but there are more chances, more games. And look, if Eddie has a game against Chelsea like he had at the end of last season um, and he bags a couple of goals, none of this matters and everyone's praising him again because that's how football works. So it's just on Eddie to do what Eddie does, bag goals, be a bag man, and uh, everyone will love him again. Um, yeah. Uh, Tommy Asu, as I said, hopefully um, the injury isn't too bad. I haven't really seen updates from Arteta, so if he has provided an update, apologies, I've not seen it yet. Um, but I suspect it's probably going to take a, a few days at least to get a full assessment. So fingers crossed he's okay and it's not too serious. Um, Arteta spoke a little bit about the injuries generally on Tommy said, you know, and this was after the game, I think he said, you know, we don't know what it is. He felt something and we didn't want to take any risks, which is understandable given his injury record and how important he is to the squad. Um, he went on to say with the amount of games that we're playing, it's a part of it. It can happen in training, it can happen in the game. And unfortunately it's happened to Tommy today. Um, he then went on to say that the rest of the players have to be ready because we're going to need everybody now. We've managed a load of the players in the last four weeks because of the amount of games that we have to play. It's very difficult to get the balance and to get the right performances and win matches and resting some players and keeping them fresh is always challenging. We tried our best. Today we had bad news with Tomiyasu, but I think the rest of rest has worked out pretty well. And that's the thing, with the sheer number of games and with the small size of the squad, to be honest, we're probably fortunate that our injury situation hasn't been worse. It really could have been, to be honest. I mean, Saka, um, Tierney, Tommy, all of these people got kicks or knocks in the last few weeks that really could have been a lot worse. So fingers crossed these last few weeks in the run-up to the World Cup, we can get through it relatively unscathed, stay top of the league, and uh, yeah, go into the World Cup break top and, and ready to regroup and go again. It's a shame that Zinchenko didn't manage to get on the field, but again, um, yeah, with everything that happened, probably better for that not to be the case and not to risk it. Um, yeah, I do think that probably is maybe, and, I, and now isn't the time for it, because ultimately the job, we got the job done, top the group, avoid the 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 playoff round in February. We did that, so this is really competition for it, Con time for the conversation, but... I do think there is questions about this group's ability to manage pressure. Um, it's why I think any conversation about winning the league is going to be very, very difficult. I still think the focus should be top four. I personally don't believe in materially shifting the goalposts of goals and aims for a season mid-season. I think your goals for the season are your goals because you evaluated your chances across the entire season, and that should include shifts and variance for example if you think you're the fourth best team in the league fourth is the goal because you think you're the fourth best team in the league if other people manage to stink up the joint and you can get second or first great but that doesn't mean that not getting first is therefore a failure no if you don't get first and you finish third or fourth well there's a reason your goals and aims of course at the start of the season were what they were because you ended up roughly where you thought you'd be so I'm not one for punishing people for not matching a shifting target. You know, mid, I, for me, top four is the aim. We get top four, job done. And we're on course for that. Um, anything more than that is fucking gravy. Personally, this season, I, I'm on record. I wanted top four in the Europa League trophy. That's what I wanted. Um, anything from fourth above and the Europa League trophy, I wanted both of those things. And that's what I still want. Um, for me, anything less than fourth place, at this stage is probably a failure. Um, I think for me, Europa League, it's a cup competition, anything can happen, but anything less than fourth and you've got to ask questions. Every team, Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, United, all of those teams that are in the so-called big six have finished in the top four in the last five years. All of them have at least once. We haven't at all in that time period. Um, and we've come close. We've been sort of one point off, two point off. At 
Football's a football's a ruthless business. There can be reasons, but there can be no excuses. And you can have reasons. That's fine. Um, and those reasons can be understandable. But at some point, you have to get the job done. And I kind of think Arteta's at a point where it's getting the job done. And it looks like he's going to. Um, so that's why, for me, I do think this conversation about managing pressure for this young squad is a conversation to be had because I still see signs that when the pressure's on, they just don't quite switch on. But there's so many other variables at play here that you can't really just pin it on that. So I don't really want to have the conversation at this stage while there are so many other variables. You know, for example, there's the fixture congestion, there's the World Cup in the middle of the season, there's the fact it's a small squad and the fact that we've got injuries and knocks. Um, There's, you know, the fact that we're playing this style of play and we've integrated it this season, although we started working towards it last season. there's all of those things, you know, it's, so you can't just say it's this or that. There's so many different factors at play. Um, so we'll see as the season goes on, I think we'll get a better idea for whether this team can really manage the pressure because right now we're up against teams who have managed to achieve various aims and ambitions and manage that pressure. You know, we, we're playing against sides that that have managed to, you know, like we're talking about Liverpool, look at what they've done in the last few years. As bad as they are now, look what they've done. Um, you know, we're top of the table, two points ahead of Manchester City. Don't need to talk about their managing pressure. They've won the league four out of the last five years. They know what it takes to win the league. Us, on the other hand, you know, we crashed and burned when we should have walked to, to fourth last season. I make the point, this team is not that team. But there are still a core component who were there last year. Maybe they've learned and maybe they've kicked on. There's a fresh component, some of which has been added from Man City. So hopefully that helps. But this group, in terms of the group psychology of this group, it's its own special blend, its own cocktail, its own mix. So they've got to figure out how to do it together. And it's new for them in this iteration, in this composition of it. So let's see how this team gets on. But I do wonder about this young squad's ability to manage pressure at it at sort of its highest point. But then again, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So that's not a, that's not to be critical of them. It's just a question. Um, so yeah, Europa League group stage results. Beat Zurich, beat Berda Glimt twice. Beat PSV before losing to PSV. Only to then go and beat FC Zurich. Five out of six, 15 points out of 18. First place. And now on to Chelsea. Um, going to do a preview podcast on Saturday, um, looking ahead to Chelsea. Obviously, um, seeing some of the comments about Bamiang, I'll talk about that on the preview pod. But just to say, we didn't want him. We let him go. He went to Barca and then went to Chelsea. Personally, I've got no hard feelings because um, despite the fact he's taken the Fabregas route, I've got no hard feelings because the club didn't want him. Um, if anything, he wanted to stay. I think we've all seen all or nothing. We've all seen the comments. Um, it's done to get done to death. I don't think we need to rehash it. Although, of course, it will be rehashed many times this weekend. He'll probably score because it's what Batman does. Although he's gone on a bit of a drought after a, a decent start under Potter, um, he'll probably bag a goal. So for me, it's not about whether Batman scores; it's about whether we win. That's all that matters to me, to be honest. Um, I don't like the fact he's playing for Chelsea. I think it's a bit gross. I expect he probably thinks it's a bit gross. But, you know, they're paying his bills, right? So it is where it is. Um, if he had his way, I think he'd probably still be in Barcelona, to be honest. I think they bought Lewandowski and told him, leave. And then Chelsea said, we'll take him. And he went, well, I like living in London and you don't want me here. So fair enough. I, I, I don't think, you know, if, if... But anyway, it's by the by. The point is, we play Chelsea next beat them and we have a very 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 good chance of going into the world cup period top of the group uh, sorry top of the league so anyway that's it for me thank you very much for listening um please do you know follow us online subscribe to the podcast leave us a five-star review or rating on apple Podcasts or spotify um really appreciate you joining you listen uh, really appreciate the new listeners um yeah just get in contact let us know your thoughts you know ask us any questions if there's anything you want to talk about um as i said we'll have competitions coming up very very shortly 
as well as a few interesting sort of one shots looking at the progress of the club over the next few years. Uh, sorry, over the past few years. So now all of that's come very shortly. Anyway, people, it's your boy Caesar. You find me at, at C C-E-A. Wow. C-E-A-S-E-S-A-W-I-S. Yeah, it's what been one of them days. You can find me at the hybrid club on the socials at the hybrid club. Yeah, let's wrap this up. I'm I'm clearly frazzled. In a bit, people. In a bit.